I'm Laura. And I'm Georgiana. And this is Decanterbury Tales. Hello. Hello. Happy How are Sunday. you? Hi. Hi. I'm good. Um, I'm also good. We asked each other the exact same question at the same time. As it happened. Love that, Love that journey for us. Mm-hmm. Well, welcome to Decanterbury Tales. Boozy Book Club podcast and recap episode. Recap episode. Wow, words. Yeah, this is a bonus episode. We typically do a recap once a quarter every year. So four bonus episodes. And this year, this quarter, we're putting it all in one. So we're covering our Q1 recap and covering the Bartender's Cure by Wesley Stratton. So, but first, quick banter. Quick banter. Do you want to go first? I think I went first last time. Okay, I'll go first. Honestly, my April has been really quiet, which I'm just kind of grateful for. Um, So I really don't have anything that has happened that we need to discuss about my life. Um, But May is going to be really fun. June's going to be really fun. July is going to be really fun. So I'll have a lot more to talk about uh, then. But currently I am reading... Trespasses by Louise Kennedy. Um, it is about uh, Northern Ireland during the Troubles. Um, this will be my 25th book of the year. I think you're ahead of me right now. Well, I'm uh, reading like two at one time, so I'll be like caught up to you. Okay. Yeah, I'm listening to another one, but and I'm reading another book. I'm reading too much. But uh, yeah, this will be 25th book. I've been watching a lot of television. Um, I watched Beef with Stephen Young and um, Ali Wong. Wild. Watch it. Wild. It looks um, like it's really good. So thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, quite dark, but quite funny. Um, wild show. Can't really say anything more than that um watched the diplomat with carrie russell on netflix really enjoyed that and then i'm watching ted lasso season three because ted lasso football is life um listening to exclusively taylor swift in preparation for this weekend i have gone back i am not just listening to midnights i'm listening to everything yeah, we're on the five-day countdown. For those of you who don't know, we are going to Nashville. We fly out on Friday. We're like speed posting this episode today. Um, so y'all will probably get it tomorrow, which will be the 1st of May. So we will be like counting down four days till Georgina and I will be together in Nashville. And we're going to her show in Nashville Saturday night. So and I'm excited. ready. I'm ready. So I- ready. It's all I can think about. And multiple of my friends have been and I haven't asked questions because I don't want to know. I just want to do this myself. Um, But yeah, that's kind of what's been going on. Just really prepping for the concert. And we'll let you guys know what our secret song is when she plays it. Because I'm excited about that too. Yeah. What have you been reading, watching, listening to? Uh, my reading, watching, listening to, I've got a ton of stuff going on, by the way, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, reading, and I guess this will kind of out me, um, The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober by Catherine Gray, which is surprisingly a really good book. 
Um, it is funny. It is poignant. It's not preachy in any way. It's just a really good book in general. I'm listening to, uh, and I'm also just, I just got it in the mail and we'll start it today is Happy Place by Emily Henry. It literally just came out. I ordered it through Barnes and Noble, uh, and I got a signed first edition. Nice. So I'm excited. It's the little things y'all, mm-hmm. um, listening to Taylor. I put Taylor Swift, all of it, all of the eras. Um, I have just been all in on Taylor Swift all the time. Um, if I'm not listening to an audiobook, it's Taylor Swift time in the morning. I have like a little section of my day carved out, like while I get ready for, uh, the day is listening to Taylor Swift. So that's exciting. And then I'm also listening to the recovery audiobook by Russell Brand, which is also he, he, um, audible it's on audible hashtag sponsor us, please. Um, it is, he is the narrator of the book. So it's absolutely written the way he talks. So it's very similar to the way like green lights sounds when you're reading the actual words, it's written the way Matthew McConaughey talks. So like him reading it just makes sense. This is the exact same way. Um, So love that. And watching The Mandalorian Survivor season 32 on Netflix. uh, That's been an ongoing joy of uh, just kind of that show that we just put on. So, I had somebody uh, tell me recently that they were watching Survivor too. Yeah, it's on Netflix. I don't know if it's always been on Netflix, if that's new. But it's such good, like, I know it sounds bad. It's such good, like, mindless television to just have on. And, like, yeah, I missed the last, like, five seconds of people arguing that I didn't miss anything major. Um, but, yeah, lots of events for Best Dressed Jackson this past month in April. Uh, it was April 14th, I believe, was our main event. So that is now over. Uh, overall, the Best Dress Jackson class of 2023 raised $250,000 for the American Cancer Society. So that's like 23 people put in like the effort to raise that much money, which is wild. Um, the main event theme was Midsummer Night's Dream. So it was so dreamy. I know, like, oh, I'm using my big girl words. Um, it was beautiful. There were flowers everywhere. It was in this gorgeous venue. There was an archery place, like an archery setup where you could like do archery and ball gowns. So fun. I felt like I was living out my Court of Thorns and Roses dream, which now I have to tell you guys what I wore. Of course, I wore a navy blue gown with silver stars on it and I felt like a princess. So it was just really wonderful. And there was a live string quartet playing. It was just nice. And it was so nice. It was so bougie, but so nice. I loved it. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. It was so fun. And their flowers, like just the venue is, it was, you felt pretty being there. It's a good event, Dad. Yeah. And then I'm not going to like wax on and on and on about it, but it is something that will probably come up a lot, especially given our book choice of the month. Um, I did after a lot of like soul searching and stuff, I'm sure a lot of people have noticed that I haven't been covering wine on the show very a lot often. And so I did uh, start recovery treatment for some issues with alcohol. So I will not be covering wine on the show. And Georgiana and I are going to work through that together and kind of figure out what the decanter 
part of Decanterbury Tales looks like moving forward, but we're not going anywhere. The show is still happening. We just might be mixing it up and doing a remix on some things, but the books are still going to be here. Our interviews are still going to be here. We'll still come up with something, um, but just to be completely transparent and authentic, that's really important to me is just to make sure that no matter what I'm putting out, I'm not going to like sit here and pretend that like I'm drinking wine and all that. So, well, I'm proud of you. I've told you you. that personally, but I'm proud of you publicly. Thank you. And And that's actually several people ask me, they're like, well, what about the Canterbury Tales? I was like, my co-host is ridiculously supportive. And honestly, we even talked about it, how like the wine portion of our podcast keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller. (laughs) Um, So, and it's not something that I don't, I don't think we'll rebrand per se, but I definitely know we'll get to it y'all. So this is new. We're figuring it out. You're figuring it out. One of our things is doing the best we can. And so we're doing the best we can and we're doing the best we can and we're going one day at a time. So that's it, man. Um, Shall we, do we want to read cap first? We want to talk about the bartender's cure first. Um, We can read cap. Let's read cap. Let's change it up. Do you want to go first? Sure. So I, like I said, I'm on my 25th book, which when I say I'm on my 25th book, I have 20 pages left of my 25th book. So we'll finish that right after this. Um, But there's really, there's one book that you're going to cover that I really liked, but there's one other book that you didn't read that I truly, truly loved. And thank you, Paige, for recommending it to me. I finally read it. Uh, It is Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. And it was hands down the best book that I have read in 2023. Probably one of the best books that I've read. Not ever, but like really up there for me. It was so good. It's about a scientist who wakes up on a spaceship and has no idea where he is, doesn't know his name, doesn't know anything about himself. And slowly his memory comes back to him and he realizes that he has been sent on a mission to try to find a cure to save the earth because astrophages um, are eating the energy of the sun. And so in like 20 years, the, the earth is going to die or people on the earth are going to die because there's going to be no food supply, water, things like that. And it, it is absolutely phenomenal. And I'm leaving a really big piece out of it. Um, kind of purposely because even if you read the cover like it's so good that I just want you to experience that for yourself um I was floored by how much this book made me feel oh wow and um I don't know like uh, just read it and then we can get into it I just don't want to say too much because it's so good and it's so sciencey, but it's not like unattainably sciencey. You just like feel like you just learned some shit. And yeah, it, it oh, it's so good. Just, okay. I, 
and it's a genre that obviously I don't read very often. I'm not a big like kind of science fiction person. Um, but this was literally out of this world. So five out of five stars. Wow. One of those books that you would die to read over again for the first time to have that experience. Wow. That is a dang good review. Mm-hmm. I loved it so much. I can't even make You're it like, up. this is just everyone go read it now. Just go read it. And I was reluctant. I've had it on my TBR shelf for probably about a year. And I, my friend told me to read it. I bought it, but I just didn't read it immediately because I really didn't think I was going to like it Mm -hmm. because it's not really what I read, but I was wrong and I'll admit it. I love it when we're wrong. Yeah. I love it when we're wrong. So, you know. And speaking of a book that I was not wrong about, but I was completely right about to segue into your books, Mm -hmm. Part of Your World by Abby Jimenez. God, I loved it. So I kind of went a different route with the read cap. I kind of picked, because I also read extensively. I think I'm at 24 books when I finish the two that I'm working on right now. Um, So I'm one behind you. You caught up. And so I did my top five fiction reads of Q1. And so my top five, Pineapple Street by Jenny Jackson, The London Seance Society by Sarah Penner, Part of Your World by Abby Jimenez, The The Writing Retreat by Julia Bartz, and It Happened One Summer by Tessa Bailey. And I went through a heavy rom-com phase uh, this spring, if you will. There was like a week I read five rom-coms back to back. And I do say after two, the tropes start wearing on me, but I was in just like a mood where I just needed cheesy love stories. So those made me happy. Um, But highly recommend breaking up your love stories because otherwise it gets a little, little grating. So then I threw in the writing retreat, which is a thriller, but it's a soft thriller. So if you're not like big on thriller thriller um this is a good in between step between like Stephen King and a romance novel um so yes part of your world by Abby Jimenez is on my list it is and so what I did is I just pulled Amazon reviews and then figured you could chime in as as wishable So I found a couple of Amazon reviews. Some of them are super short and some of them are a little bit longer. So the one for Part of Your World was written by Aninia Campbell, who is part of Vine Voice. Uh, She gave it four out of five stars. It is overall 4.5 out of five on Amazon. It is the highest rated book out of my top five on Amazon. It is not my choice of my favorite book that I read, but it's definitely in the top five. So... And I didn't even realize there was that big of a reverse age gap in part of your world. Mm -hmm. This one says a reverse age gap rom-com done right. It's so hard for me to find contemporary romances I actually enjoy because so many of them end up feeling really bland because they lack emotional stakes and conflict. 
I need some kind of driving force involving external conflict or inner turmoil to keep me turning pages. And that seems to be something that more and more authors are afraid to include these days. This person is really going in. Maybe that's because these days, any semi-flawed or unlikable character or situation involving any kind of nuance ends up getting you canceled on TikTok. So there's your opening statement. Before we even get to them talking about the book. <clears throat> Part of your world, however, is that one book in 100 that actually manages to write a successful rom-com that doesn't feel patronizing, unrealistic, or worse, pandering. It includes so many of my favorite tropes that it felt like it was written for me. Small town vibes, reverse age gap, class differences, STEM heroine, she's a doctor, cute animals, strong female relationships, and loads and loads of family. And it says dr drama and trauma. So it says like D and then the TR is in like little parentheses, trauma, drama, trauma, to unpack and dread and scream over. It kind of gives us like a little thing where like, essentially you get two lead characters that are totally different, RE, she's loaded and all of the sex scenes weren't fade to black rude, but obviously they both catch feelings and obviously both of them have extenuating factors that come into conflict with their budding romance. The conflict drives the story and keeps up the tension, adding edge to what would otherwise be a pretty sugary sweet insta-love romance, wish fulfillment fantasy. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but while I was composing my review in my head, I was actually going to talk about how some fluffy books manage to sell that fantasy without being too annoying. Then all that other stuff in the book came into play, and I ended up being even more impressed than I already was. I only really have three complaints. One, if you're going to tell me this dude is Alexander the Great of having relations, you have to give us something. Otherwise, it feels like a taunt. Two, which I will say she does kind of a lot of fade to black scenes. You're not getting a lot of the nitty gritty where like Tessa Bailey as a romance not author gives you a lot more of the scene, if you will, like the whole scene. Um, it felt kind of like the whole thing with Daniel's mom was just kind of resolved off page, which is weird because it felt like the book was playing her up to do something awful. And three, could have done with 90% fewer Princess Bride references. But overall, this was a lovely book, just as good as the last book by this author that I read. And thank goodness I have two more of hers on Kindle to read. Plus the next book in this series, which I've already read, Laura, is going to be about Brie and she is absolutely the coolest and I can't wait for her story. Um, so that is her, I cut out her kind of going through the plot because I don't feel like we need to do that very much, but it's definitely, you know, a she's got money, he doesn't, woman of privilege, star-crossed lovers kind of thing. And she does like try to break up with him over it, which I think is kind of ridiculous. Some of it, I'm just, it made me feel very similar into some of the conflict, the way that sex and vanity did. Mm. Where I'm like, why you're an adult, but family pressures are real. The, the thing that I also really liked about her as a character there was no debate over her career and being smart and what she wanted to do. And sure, she was like, I need to work at this hospital because of my family, things like that. But she never was like, I'm going to give up being a doctor to move out into the middle of nowhere. Like 
she had her own identity of who she was, what she wanted, who she wanted to be, and then how she could be flexible in life to have everything that she wanted. But I just thought it was really refreshing to see her be a strong, independent woman who don't need no man who just happens to like that man. Yeah. Um, and I do really like the sequel, the, and I told you this is the, or the next book by Abby is Bree's story, which is Alexis's friend in the book. So she also get Alexis makes an appearance in this book a few times. So you get to see bits and pieces of what happens after the book, which you usually don't get in romances because they're supposed to live happily ever after the end. So she does this really well. And then um, Tessa Bailey does it very well. And it happened one summer and then hook, line and sinker. Those two, it happened one summer is better, in my opinion, than hook, line and sinker. But you get glimpses into the relationship that gets established. And it happened one summer in the second book, which is nice. You get to see kind of their little happily ever after. Um, Yeah. So I really enjoyed that book. I recommended it to a lot of people. I read Part of Your World in one day, which according to Amazon, it looks like 90% of people that pick up this book read it in one day. It was like read it in one night, read it in one day. I'm up at 3 a.m., finished it. It was amazing. So overall, really, really well. I thought it was a great book. and would absolutely recommend it. Uh, da, 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 da. let's go short review London Seance Society which was the second book by Sarah Penner uh, Amazon has it at a 3.5 out of 5 I would probably I would probably lean into that I really enjoyed the book and I actually liked the ending and I liked the end of the book it had a very uh, slow start for me it was a very slow start. And so this person on Amazon, I'm going to read their review. They gave it three out of five. Love to read says the book grabbed me from the very beginning. And then for a while, I wasn't that into it, but the last third really kept me going. Lots of twists and turns, which I always enjoy. I read this author's first book and I will continue to read more by her. And that was it. Very short. I didn't want to give y'all like a three paragraph essay. And I agree with that. I think the opening scene kind of gets you and then it kind of like tapered for a minute and then you're in it at the end. There is a lot of like magical realism going on in there and you get kind of hints of like, just like you do in the Lost Apothecary, like, is it magic? Is it not magic? So it's very similar in that way. It is also a historical fiction, a piece of historical fiction, which I enjoy this one flops back and forth between a female and a male perspective, which is different from the first one. Uh, overall, I really liked it. I read it in four days. Very, very good. If you liked Lost Apothecary, you will absolutely like London Seance Society. And I'm looking forward to reading more from Sarah Penner. It was a very good book. On my TBR. Highly recommend. All right. Let me see which one's next. Let's go Pineapple Street. Oh, this so one has a bit of a longer, it's like three paragraphs. It's, I'll read it fast. Uh, Pineapple Street is rated 4.5 out of 5 on Amazon. I definitely agree with that rating. I don't think it's perfect. I don't think any book's perfect, honestly. 
that's not true. I've given several books five out of fives on this very show. But anyway, <laughs> um, overall, Pineapple Street, I read it very quickly. I really enjoyed it. It starts out very readable. I just like could not put it down. Funny, it's a comedy. It's a comedy about class and it's a commentary on the like 1% uber rich in a way that doesn't come across preachy. It doesn't come across. I'm trying to think. It just, it does a very good job of making a commentary on the uber rich 1% without feeling preachy. And it's also hilariously funny. So this is from Orage Pick, Orig Pick on Amazon, who gave it five out of five stars. Pineapple Street is a comedy about class, not a laugh out loud comedy so much as a gentle pricking of egos and sensibilities, and it is very, very good. The author is a book editor and knows her craft. Pineapple Street and other streets named after fruits really exist in Brooklyn Heights and the Stockton family of inherited wealth, which the story is about to feel true to type. They play tennis in whites, of course, hold themed parties and don't want much to change, and particularly not their 1% wealth or the bric-a-brac that has encrusted their Pineapple Street home in which their son, Cord, and his wife, Sasha, who is kind of the main character from the regular middle class, now live. The brilliance of this novel is how it lives within characters who fail to see the bias and prejudice through which they interact. The Stockton children think Sasha is a gold digger, the DG as they call her, and Sasha has similar misconceptions about the Stocktons. The mix provides for glorious rudeness, arch false propriety, and social blindness. The story follows Sasha as she wants to be accepted by her new uber-rich family, Within the fun are clear questions about one of the biggest social problems of our time, the huge wealth disparity in American society. The Stocktons live in a bubble where race, poverty, and social ills don't trouble their lives. They aren't bad people, except that they ignore what's around them and are totally ignorant of how most people live. At one point, the matriarch, Tilda, asks the of-middle-class Sasha, aka her, her daughter-in-law, to explain what was it like growing up poor? Literally, she asked her that at dinner. So Sasha, what was it like growing up poor? The question is so tone deaf, it arrives with a thud of privilege, so thick yet so believably, and in the moment, so funny. I laughed out loud at this book. In her acknowledgments, Jenny Jackson says that she wrote half of this novel in an apartment on Pineapple Street. A reader may wonder if the model for the Stockton family were neighbors. I know you did not read this, but I think it's just such... There are so many points in this book where it follows around the three female characters, um, Sasha, and then the two sisters of her husband. So like uber rich, two people, and then Sasha, who's not uber rich. Um, and there's many points where the two girls are like, I'm not a bad person, am I? Like I didn't, they were like, everyone I know is white. Everyone I grew up with is white. But it's not because like I chose not to be around them. They just weren't, I just, they weren't in my circle. So there's like a lot of discussions on that and like soul searching through that. And they all have kind of that like aha moment of being sheltered in a wealthy bubble. So, but lots of moments of very funny things. I want to read that one. Pineapple Street. It's also a very beautiful cover. It is. Beautiful cover. I've picked it up and almost purchased it like three times. It's worth it. 
it's really really good uh the next two are kind of short let's go the writing retreat which is a thriller from julia bartz so andy bartz sister is also a writer and she wrote the writing retreat which is really funny because it's a book about authors um so it's just very kind of tongue-in-cheek and a little little bit self-referential so it is at a 3.8 out of 5 on amazon and bookworm sandy on amazon gave it a four out of five stars and she put it the title is a touch of the macabre this creepy, at times macabre tale of a group of female writers snowbound in a remote mansion combines elements of Stephen King's The Shining with the psychological suspense of Alfred Hitchcock at his best. Although sometimes off-putting, the raw interplay among the characters and the whiplash plot twists keep the reader going long into the night, with the lights on, of course. Which I thought was a great, like, three-sentence... Mm -hmm review well done uh and i really i can't argue with it i think it's really good um if you are skittish about lgbtq plus intimacy it's not super vivid but it's enough that like if that is something that like you really can't handle then this is not going to be the book for you i really honestly don't really mind it but i also just loved the twists and turns in this book it goes from zero it starts kind of slowly and then you hit that like half halfway point and you're on a wild ride it is ridiculously good so highly recommend if you're looking for a thriller pick up the writing retreat and the last one is it happened one summer by tessa bailey it is a 4.4 out of 5 on Amazon, and Haley Blackwell gave it 5 out of 5 on Amazon. I went with all good, I liked the, all these books, so I went with good reviews this time since I had a few. Uh, her title was Schitt's Creek Rom-Com, which I actually really agree. Oh wow, by far my favorite Tessa Bailey book. Piper and Brendan are so good together and bring out the best in each other. Such a good feel, such a good feel, good romance that warms your heart. Even though the characters are polar opposites, they perfectly complete each other. So this is another like complete polar opposites, big city girl, small town boy vibe. I didn't even think about that. I picked two books with the exact same trope, but whatever. Piper was a Hollywood it girl who loves attention and is the definition of an influencer. Her love life isn't as glamorous though. Her relationships last three weeks max because there is nothing special about her, end quote. Her last relationship ended in public humiliation, causing her to spiral. She trespasses into a hotel where she finds herself in jail as punishment and to learn her lesson. This is literally the most rich people thing ever. Her stepfather ships her off to Westport, a small Pacific town in the Northwest. I was like, okay, Paris Hilton. The same place her father died at sea and Piper will now live for three months renovating the bar she inherited. Thankfully, her younger sister, Hannah, has no intention to leave her alone on this journey. The sexy, charming, widowed Captain Brendan acts judgmental around her, thinking he's dealing with a spoiled brat who will run up after spending one night in Westport. But Piper proves him wrong as she slowly gets under his skin. He can't stop thinking about her, and after seven years pass since his wife's death, he starts to think maybe he deserves a second chance. Can they find their happy ending? Overall, smart, heartfelt, entertaining, and amazing chemistry. I truly could not put this book down. And I agree, it was really, really good chemistry in this book. Uh, Tessa Bailey is a little bit more vivid in her descriptions of intimate relations. Mm 
So that's a little spicier than um, part of your world. So if you're looking for something a little spicier and want that trope, there you go. And that is my recap. Yeah, I, I, I look at the books that I've read because I too read a good few romances and I read some thrillers and things like that. But yeah, it, it, I, I don't know if I picked the right ones. Is, and no digs to the books that I read. I just, we didn't click. And that is something that if I'm going to be honest, I am having issues. I'm in a rut when it comes to books and I'm really waiting to find the book to get me out of it. Um, but I would, every, yeah, I would do Project say on Society if you liked Apothecary. Yeah, and I have it. So it's after Project Hail Mary, everything feels a little wah, wah. Wow. So we'll get back to it. Well, there you go. I have five recommendations depending on what you're feeling because I read one of them oh that's true four but yeah well should we talk about our book of the month the bartender's cure by Wesley Stratton yeah let's chat about it um so I have two reviews um one is from Macmillan and then the other one is from Kirkus uh the one from Macmillan is just kind of telling you what happened and then the one from Kirkus I think uh coincides with how I felt about the book a little bit more. Um, I have been transparent with Laura. This was not my favorite of her picks. Um, there were things I really liked about the book, but then there were just some things that I was like, no, no, thank you. Um, so Macmillan, just to kind of give you the, uh, where we are in the book where we're we're set and then I'll ruin it a little bit. Samantha Fisher definitely does not want to be a bartender, but after a breakup and breakdown in San Francisco, she decides to defer law school for a year to move to New York, crashing on her boy best friend's couch. When she's offered a job at Joe's Apothecary, a beloved neighborhood bar in Brooklyn, she tells herself it's only temporary. As Sam learns more about bartending and gets to know the service industry lifers and loyal regulars at Joe's, She's increasingly seduced by her new job. She finds acceptance in her tight-knit community and even begins a new relationship. But as the year draws to a close, Sam is increasingly pulled between the life she thought she wanted and the possibility of a different kind of future. When destructive cycles from her past threaten to consume her again, Sam must decide how much she's willing to let go of finally, to finally belong. So the her destructive cycle is bulimia. And, um, you know, I think we've talked about eating disorders on this show before, and I have great respect for them. I do not belittle them. I know that um, just overwhelming need for control and everything that comes from it, I get it. But my issue with Sam was, uh, it almost felt like she just wanted you to feel bad for her, that she didn't want to necessarily get better. Um, 
that was just how I read her. Um, you can tell me if you think differently, Laura, but I just, I, I just, it felt very well with me and I wanted a little bit more redemption and accountability to take life by the horns. Yeah. And I think there's a, there's a point to be made there. I think it wasn't until you kind of pointed it out that I really did some digging on the character. And I was like, well, yeah, I don't really like her either. And I realized I love all the other characters in this book, except the lead character. Um, I think that Sam is very selfish. I think that what we're seeing, and I was like, I know why we don't like her. We're seeing someone at the point of relapse for her. And honestly, given the way she was drinking when she was in San Francisco, she probably needs a little help with that too. Just saying, Um, because typically stuff like that comes in groups, but with her bulimia. And I think that there's a lot to be said there that we're finding someone who is desperately trying to run away from their problems and it she does go to intensive inpatient treatment, but it seems like when she went in the book, like they flash back and you kind of get like little bits and pieces. It just seems like it wasn't something that she chose for herself. And it isn't until you choose as someone who does this a lot right now, as someone like nothing is going to stick and nothing is going to work unless you choose to get help. And so of course she's going to spiral very quickly. She's also exceedingly selfish. She's in that relationship and someone who truly cares about her and she just doesn't. And instead of doing the right thing, she runs or like lays into it being comfortable and doesn't want to do the hard thing. So she is ultimately like, this is a person in a self-destructive cycle. This is a person who doesn't want to, she doesn't want to be fixed yet. Mm-hmm. until the end and even then we're kind of left on a little bit of a cliffhanger of where she's going but at least she's making some sort of steps what I did love about this book as someone who has worked in hospitality and in the service industry I think it hit the nail on the head of what it's like to work in the service industry I agree with that uh I just think it's such a good take on that and there's a lot of pieces in this book that I highlighted that uh, we're not about drinking. So uh, that's something we did talk about. Like, do we skip the book entirely? But there's a lot in this book that I actually feel like is a journey through. I mean, it is the lead character's journey through to go to recovery, not for alcohol, but for her eating disorder. So um, there's a lot in here that I think comes with acceptance that I felt was important. And I enjoyed the book. I laughed out loud. And it has some very, very solid cocktail recipes, everybody. I enjoyed that I loved that each chapter kind of had a theme with a cocktail that you learn the history of the cocktail you learn how to make it different people's opinions variations on cocktails things that like because I was looking at the the cocktail recipe and I was like we've already looked at that one but then Mm -hmm. no you flip back and it's just one ingredient changed and it changes the whole flavor profile and things like that. So I thought that that truly was very interesting. 
And that is kind of what the Kirkus review said. Um, I'm just gonna read the end of it. This novel is a close cousin of Stephanie Dandler's best-selling Sweet Bitter, but the characters don't have as much star power and the will to educate is more dominant. Ticks in the storytelling voice, endless clauses strung together with and, endless asides beginning with once upon a time, becoming annoying in the absence of narrative momentum. And I thought that that was really kind of spot on with maybe what my qualms about it were, that there really wasn't much narrative momentum for me. What drove it and kept me interested was the lore of cocktail making and then like little glimpses of, you know, my time working in hospitality, being in a kitchen with bottles and mixers in front of me and putting muddling cherries down (laughs) to make, you know, a, a puree to go into a drink. And that sort of creativity that comes with that, um, I I enjoyed. And I really liked Han as a character. Han was my favorite. Han was my favorite. Yep. There was something, and I also, we've already talked about this too, is there's something so satisfying at the end of this book um, that there wasn't a Hallmark ending. Yeah. Because usually if you're reading a book and it's like, oh no, we're not doing enough business. Oh no, we're going to close. Oh no. And like the reality of it is like, no, if you're not doing enough business, some like, you're not going to magically come up with some magic. Like it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it just doesn't happen. There's no magic solution to fix it. And then all of a sudden, like you save the bar. No, the bar's going to close. The bar closed and you get like a farewell and it's kind of heartbreaking and sad, but also like lead character wise she didn't need to be there anymore because the boys definitely didn't realize anything that was going on with her because they were emotionally immature um because they're boys so like she didn't need to stay there but she also like doesn't need to go to law school because she can't handle it she's not ready um so overall I just felt like there was a lot I liked that it didn't have a happy ending I liked that um she doesn't get the boy in the end you know, I like that it was just kind of like, yeah, no, we're done. And her just being like, okay. So it's, yeah. me, it's it's time for me to figure some shit out. And that's kind of, I, I guess, how the book ends for me is like, time to figure some shit out. And I hope she does. I wish her well. <laughs> you're like, I wish her well. And yeah, you're like, I don't care what happens to her. Um, so I know we have some questions. Do you want to start? Um, I guess, and I kind of touched on mine. Mine was, you know, talking, thinking about making a fun cocktail and like just that sense of satisfaction and the creativity that comes within kind of the art of it. And so if you are comfortable, do you have like one that you made that you were just 
that's delightful. I'm so proud of myself. Um, and then how are you going to change it to make it a mocktail? Make it an exercise. That's the hard part is, um, one of my favorite things to use is Prosecco or champagne. So I did find a non-alcoholic or alcohol removed sparkling rosé. So I'm really hoping that it tastes good so that I can kind of have fun with that. But like, honestly, like soda water and tonic water is totally fine. Just add a little sugar and you're fine. Um, The one that I really like is from Sunset Point in Fairhope. It is one of their cocktails. And then I just edit it a little bit, but it's strawberries, lemon, and simple syrup. So it's very citrusy, very summery. Um, white vermouth, which is different than your regular like bloody like, martini vermouth. Uh, and then topped with Prosecco or champagne. See, you can totally make that delicious without the bubbles. Oh yeah. There's the, what did someone tell me? I picked the perfect time to realize that I have a problem and go sober. Like if I was in any other era in history, it would not be ready for me because the sober movement right now is so big. There's so much going on right now and it's a relatively new market. There's whole lines of alcohol removed wines. There's whole lines of non-alcoholic beers. There's all these kinds of pop-ups, companies that are making drinks without alcohol that are for adults. Now, don't get me wrong. I love me a Shirley Temple. I just don't like Sprite. I don't, it's too much sugar. So, you know, a Shirley Temple plus ginger beer instead of like a non-alcoholic ginger beer and some lime instead of Sprite. Like it's just making these drinks adult and not just covered in sugar. So I'm excited to see mocktails be more prominent you know we're getting the trickle down here in jackson mississippi it takes a minute for things to get down here but seeing that there's places in new york places in la places in charleston that are completely alcohol free zero proof if the, if you will um i'm enjoying the zero proof you know movement and seeing what that what that is so and you know i actually have inserted some non-alcoholic beverages into my rotation uh, just because sometimes you want to drink but do you really need to drink no you just want that I'm going to take this moment for myself mm-hmm. and so I've started inserting them in that way and it it's just that moment that little special bit for you um, so that's what I kind of really like about it but to answer my own question, I mentioned the one with muddled cherries, and that was my favorite. It was a take on an old fashioned. I worked on it with Stephen at the hotel, and uh, it was a cherries jubilee, what we called it. And it was like a take on an old fashioned, but with cherries in it. Ooh. And it was delightful. Would probably be really good with seed lip, that spiced one that you got. Yeah, that would be really good. I'll send you the recipe. What was your question for me? All right. I have a couple. I have really three things to talk about. I have quotes. I annotated. Um, so these two build off of each other. Um, so this quote is early in the, or like halfway through the book. 
men who don't drink out of coupe glasses because of their masculinity, because their masculinity is so fragile that holding a dainty glass threatens it. James Bond drinks out of those glasses. Humphrey Bogart, who the hell do you think you are? Um, and that kind of made it like made me laugh because it is still like very true that like the coupe. It's coupe. The coupe. Thank you. You're welcome. This is now like the second time you have done this to me. I'm sorry. I just didn't want you to keep saying it wrong. Thank you. I appreciate it. In real time. Um, <laughs> and this is a no edit episode. So <laughs> I'm just stuck with that. <laughs> anyway, the coop. And just, you know, there's like things are seen as girly. And there's something I remember there was like a beverage on a menu and it was like, yeah, only women order this drink, but it's the strongest drink on the menu. They just never know because it comes in like a fancy glass and has a cute name. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think about when I go to a bar, Alex does not like bourbon. He does not like whiskey. And so he will order a nice, fresh gin drink, nice and spritzy, may have an umbrella in it. Oh, and, and what's wrong with umbrellas but then I'm like yeah can I have like a whiskey neat no I really barely order a whiskey neat but um you know something a little bit heavier uh dark liquor and people put the other drinks in front of the other <laughs> and we're just it, it happens with food too but because I eat like an animal but uh yeah, they'll put the wrong drink in front of us because they just assume that I went with the girly drink in the coop. Don't misgender my cocktail. Yeah. So, I mean, to that point of that line, it's like, no. It's Not like, true. I was like, James Bond drinks out of these. So, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then where am I going with this? This just made me, this just reminded me of you. And I hope that you did too. This one was on page 64. In the, just for funsies, which chapter is it? It is in the Tom Collins chapter. Okay. Uh, They are talking back and forth and they're playing the, um, I'm trying to think of a word right now. Uh, The uh, intimate relations, Mary kill game. Oh yeah. Um. And they were like, hey, Prince Bowie or Mick Jagger. And someone just put, and at the very, it's how it ends the chapter. But you couldn't kill Prince, Paula says. It would be like killing a unicorn. A cursed life, Casey intones. A half-life. What the hell are you talking about, Gina asked, turning away from me. Casey and I answer in unison, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. (laughs) She high-fives me over the bar. And here with these women, I don't feel like such an outsider. I feel like I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I was like, man, Harry Potter, just bringing them together in fiction and in real life. I was like, this is literally me and Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> this is our life story. This is our meet cute. Don't worry about it. Uh, I just thought that was funny. It absolutely made me think of you. So there. And you could never kill Prince. It's very true. Accurate. Accurate. Um, and there's just a. I guess it was this- 
to kill Mick Jagger, but I would really hate to kill Mick Jagger because the Rolling Stones are like my favorite. Yeah. I guess that's where we go because I can't no, kill Prince. I can't kill Bowie. I would marry Prince. Yeah. I would. Okay, continue. <laughs> um just a line that kind of outlines very in the very beginning. It's in the first chapter. In the first chapter, there's a line that kind of plays out um or sets the scene for the entire book which is um what i learn is bartending and storytelling are inextricably linked and i love stories i love the breathless enthusiasm of these writers i love their love i devour the books one after the other hungry as always and still unsated after well and then that really ties in too with her um eating disorder too the way she wrote that there's a lot that I kind of wish you know about her eating disorder earlier in the book because there's a lot that lays into therapy or sounds therapy-ish mm-hmm. that if you know to look for it, I feel like I would have understood some of these pieces a little bit more or realized how smart this book is. Because that's the thing, like the writer, Wes- Wesley Stratton, is incredibly brilliant. The book is very well written and there's so much layered in here. Like the book is not even 300 pages mm-hmm. and I've got tons of stuff highlighted, but there's just a lot that I think uh, is missed by not getting that information. They do a really good, good way of revealing it, but I think by revealing it earlier, you don't miss as much. And then my last one that I highlighted or second to last, I've got two more. I say the girl's job, but is but it is really the bartender's job, isn't it? Aren't we conduits for human emotion? Less a therapist, more of a sponge. There to witness a guest pain, acknowledge it, pull it into ourselves so that they can leave feeling a little lighter. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Yep. And I thought that was really interesting. I highlighted it and put a little flag on it, that that discussion was really... Yeah, like you're not going to, the reason people pour their heart out to bartenders is because they're not going to sit there and give you advice because people do it all the time. I guess to a bartender, you don't feel like you are special bad. You know? You're just having a day and you're putting it out there. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is about her friend Haley. Because it made me happy. We've talked about this a bunch of times. She talks about like the conversation with um, the other people in the bar and like Haley's in there and kind of like Billy kind of is throwing her elbows and being like, you deserved better. And um, with her previous relationship, she goes, still, that's what best friends are for. And on my little note, I put a discussion on friendship. It literally says, there's a little note that says a discussion on friendship. Haley has her back and defends her friend fiercely. Friends are soulmates, a person from whom you require only their company and you don't get anything from them. It is a just ongoing relationship. And I thought that's a good way to like finish our discussion in this book was because ultimately it's Haley that puts her in the hospital and calls her dad. 
Mm-hmm. It's like, no, 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 we're done here. We're done here. I know that you hate me right now for this, but like, you don't get to traipse around New York anymore. Nope. Uh, okay. I mean, but that's, that is what being friends is. That is saying the things that you maybe don't want to hear. I know I showed your I showed your three paragraph text or read part of it to my therapist and she was like you have a really good friend (laughs) I know she's great (laughs) Um, I I, you know and I I felt so bad like typing out that text message but I was just like girl like I need to be transparent I can't sugarcoat anymore yeah for those of you that are there's a lot of questions. I'm not going to tell you guys exactly what she wrote, but Georgiana sent me a tough love text uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was right before I started treatment, just about uh, where I was in my life and where I was in my relationships and just giving me kind of like a get your head out of your ass. Stop being, stop throwing yourself a pity party, like acknowledge what you did. Buck up buttercup. You got this, like, let's go. And uh, it was what I needed. It was a little kick in the pants, a big old spoonful of reality. But coming from someone, you know, if you don't have a friend that feels that can do that, then you need more friends or you need to like invest in your friendships because, you know, uh, I, I need y'all, the collective friends, y'all to, to call me on my bullshit when I need to get my head out of my ass too, because sometimes I do. Sometimes it's shoved way up there. Mm, it's deep deep we gotta pull that out but um no Haley she was a good friend but then also you know you kind of see the point of her with her boyfriend and how she kind of gets uh, sucked into her own sort of just life the way life happens you get very wrapped up in your own um whirlwind of life that you kind of stop thinking or paying attention maybe to the people that need you to pay attention but you always come back and you're always there that being said it's not Haley's responsibility to take care of Sam but she did what she needed to yeah so I think that there's some there's some good there's some good in the book there's some good in there we just don't like Sam I get it a fundamentally and I think that's true with like the length of the book too and the way that it's laid out is really the narrative serves as a point then I feel like the narrative almost serves the cocktail Mm storylines than the other way around and I would have liked to see it a little bit and again I know for like lengthwise it's very short to be like in love with it so I think that there, uh, I read it and was like, oh, this was very good. And I wish that there was more. That's what I finished. I was like, I wish there was more because I would have liked to see this a little bit more resolved. So there you go. That's The Bartender's Cure. By Wesley Stratton. If you listen to this, Wesley, sorry that I didn't love your book. (laughs) Job well done, ma'am. Well, that's that's it for Canterbury Tales for April, y'all. It is literally April 30th. So I'm going to try to post it at like 11.59 tonight so that it's still posted in April. <laughs> I'll schedule it so it technically has an April date, but y'all listen to it on Monday morning. So happy Monday morning, everyone. And uh, hope you enjoy. And 
you know, we've actually started work on our May book, so we should announce that. Mm -hmm. I, I had the pleasure of interviewing the author of our May book, which is Counterfeit by Kirsten Chen, that it is a New York Times bestseller. It is one of Reese's book picks. And thanks for answering my IG DM, Kristen. Kirsten. She she hopped on in there and uh, she came on and she was delightful, lovely to speak with. Um, she has already agreed to come back when her next book comes out. So I uh, look forward to for y'all to hear that. And I, we've already started working on the pairings for that too. So May, we're going to be way more together, hopefully. Um, I feel like we've already like finished a lot for May. So we have some good stuff coming for y'all for May. And we already have stuff coming for y'all for June. So it's about to get real. Mm -hmm. We just kind of fell off the wagon in April. <laughs> Literally. Uh, <laughs> and would it be, would it be April 30th? If I didn't say tomorrow, it's, it's gonna be May. May. <laughs> yes. Oh man, happy May, everyone. Uh, but there you go. That was it. And we will see you guys next month. I'm sure we'll talk all about Taylor Swift. So <laughs> bottoms up. Stay weird. Bye. Okay, bye. This has been another episode of Decanterbury Tales, the podcast. Please follow us along on Instagram and Twitter at DecanterburyPod. Write us an email at DecanterburyPod at gmail.com or visit our website, www.decanterburytales.com. Please like and subscribe and show your love for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen.